Welcome to the Nash Vocations podcast. Joining me today are Reed Robinson. I'm a third co- going to be third college at Holy Trinity Seminary. Uh, I'm Augustine Mang. Uh, I will be second theology. Seth Reed uh, just finished my four years at St. Joseph's Seminary College. I'll be going to St. Meinrad for my first year of theology. And I'm your host, Anthony Romeo. I am entering into third theology. Today we're going to be talking about authenticity. What does that, what does that even mean? I'm actually... Uh, I guess just being who you are. That's how I understand authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, about the same for me, just kind of acknowledging your beloved son and God made you the way you are and, and living that out best you can. Church. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, uh, back in like 2009 when I first entered... I think I had a lot of great examples of priests, and so what I tried to do when I got to seminary was imitate what I saw, and so I was trying to be an imitation of something that I that I found valuable, and um, it was uh, it was less so of of who I was and who somebody else was. Kind of going off of what Anthony said about kind of like you know having those good examples as priests and trying to imitate that. Um, <clears throat> my older brother was in seminary. Uh, he started. He joined seminary when I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, and I had always kind of wanted to. And so I went out of high school as well. And since I had been around seminarians and like I had some friends who were seminarians, my brother was one. Um, I kind of like had this persona in my mind of like what a seminarian was supposed to be. Um, and so when I got to seminary, I was like, oh, you know, I have to act this way and do these things and read these books and pray in this certain way. And I realized once I got there. Um, and like you know, entered in the formation process, uh, and like started ta- inter- like interacting with my spiritual director and my formation advisor. That like, that was totally not it. You know, I wasn't supposed to be the perfect seminarian. I was supposed to be the man who God was calling me to be, mm-hmm. and to grow into that fullness of of manhood, that fullness of Catholic manhood, being that Christian gentleman, so that God willing, one day I become a priest. I can, you know operate kind of like as a wounded healer, like understanding who I was and like my own wounds and out of that being like, yeah, like, hey, you know, being able to see in this person, like I see where that wound came from and, and you know, here's Christ and here's where he's healing that. Um, and that was something that like in these first, I've only been in seminary for two years and these first two years I've really learned that like it's a lot of the time through our own wounds and like acknowledging that of who we are um, that we're able to kind of um, Bring, like allow Christ to, to work in us and do that work and, and really heal our own wounds and through that to, to kind of give of that excess grace that he has to, to kind of overflow and give to the people that God has given us to care for like his flock um, and that was like huge for me realizing that I was like whoa time out um, but yeah yeah I think Reed brings up a important point that you have to be who you are and let God's grace work on you and the only way that's going to work is if you actually be who you are it's like if you listen to this podcast, I mean, this is mostly for guys who are discerning and are thinking about coming to the seminary. But even if you're thinking about going to a religious order, or if you're a girl or a boy or whatever, like you, you want to be who you are when you go in because, especially in a religious order, that's a family. But even in seminary, as we've talked about before, that is a family too. And you want your family to know who you are. So if you curse and you drop the F-bomb every now and then, like, like I do, then, <laughs> then do that because... The spiritual director needs to know, and your formators need to know, and your professors need to know, and your bishop needs to know, and your vocation director needs to know, because then they go, all right, you curse, and, and that's okay in some situations, but you need to dial that back a little bit. And if, like, you're just a huge jerk all the time, like, 
don't be a huge jerk all the time, but you want to be a jerk. So that formation go, you know, you're kind of a jerk, dude. Like you maybe need to dial it back a little bit. Like we need to work on that. And that's right. why you're there is to get that okay. to be worked on so that when you become a priest, you're not sitting there dropping F-bombs during a homily in front of first graders. And you're not uh, getting yelling at your parishioners like, I can't do it today because blah, 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 blah. I got so much other crap to do. And yeah. their parents are coming back to you saying, why is my kid saying this yeah. word when they come home <laughs> well, from I heard school? father so-and-so say, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's this, this, and this, mom. <laughs> right. I think it's, I mean, it's called formation for a reason. Yep. You're yeah. being formed. Uh, yeah. It's it's sometimes challenging for me to think back because I, I remember what it was like to show up at seminary at 18, 19 years old. And I was like, okay, am I about to make this commitment for the rest of my life? I, I don't even know who I am, right? And so... Now at 31, it's like, okay, I'm well established um, to who I am. But I think one of the challenges was, is, you know, you guys, you meet people in seminary and you meet guys that are super awesome. And you're like, man, if I could be like this dude, I would be like, you know, going strong right now. And so you try to, you try to be like them or something like that. And those models are good. But like what Seth was saying, you have to be yourself. Whatever it is that you do, like God knows you, right? Your formation team needs to know you. Um, and the divine physician can't heal, right, what you don't show him. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's of the utmost importance what you're saying too. Whatever it is that you do, whoever it is that you are, you need to be that person so that um, we can sort of hone that in and mold that to the guy that God wants you to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah it, go ahead, Augustine. Yeah, I really like um, when you say authenticity, like what you guys just said is also very true. And for me, it's like when I hear like authenticity, like I hear like something that kind of pure, you know, like pure. It's like who you are. God created me who I am. And then part of the good, uh, like one of the good po- uh, point is like nobody has my fingerprint in the whole world, you know, there's people a lot, a lot, but no one has the same fingerprint like me. So, like, whenever I think that, yeah, I'm different and unique. And when I think about seminary, um, sometimes I was so worried and then anxious. And I was like, how can I be a priest in American, you know, serving American people and where I'm not, I don't grow up in? And am I going to be a good priest? Like, it was difficult for me because in our culture, uh, we don't really say what we want to say. Or like in a group, um, a virtue is sort of like um, push, push down your, what you want to do and let other people do what they want to do. We view that some kind of like in culturally is a virtue thing sometimes, you know, like a virtuous thing is like being like not really say what, what I really want to say. I was like, if I say this, Maybe I might offend this person. I really have to pay attention to what I am going to say. And then sometimes even when I get angry and then, or maybe someone is like saying something I don't like. Okay, if I say I'm mad, okay. Then if I say that, there would be kind of like tension between our friendship. So maybe he might not like me anymore or like our friendship going to be like the way it used to be anymore. So like, like I should not say it because since he's my friend, so let me just forgive him. Kind of like that. Rather than like being who you are, of course you know who you are, but at the same time, you don't really show exactly how you feel, who you are, but rather you just kind of conform to like your environment and your friends and our culture shape in that way. So when I came to United States, like, and it was very difficult for me because of uh, I have some friends and my friend, they would stay straight in my face if they don't like something, you know, like, for example, playing soccer and then sometime I didn't pass to them or maybe sometime if I don't do something they are like they like or like 
if I get mad, I was like, Augustine, stop that. I don't like that. It's like, when they say that, I was like, I was like, I keep thinking what they say to me, like for like two or three days. And they might, they might have already forgotten, uh, forgotten what they already like said to me. But I'd be like, oh, yesterday, like he told me that, he told me that I did something bad to him. Like I make him mad. I was like, ah, oh, you got like thinking, thinking over it, you know, like for days. And I was like, and then like after days and you go, I go to him, it's like, I'm sorry, my friend, the other day, you know, I have been thinking like, I should not say that, I should not do that. They'd be like, what you talking about? What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that, you know? So it's like, wow, this is different. And then when they do something that I don't like, I was like, should I say it? Like, if I say it, like, some tension going to be there. I don't want to face tension there. It's going to be like, it's like, oh, I don't know. So basically, I always avoid, like, you know, like, tension between that. So that's why, like, in seminary too, you know, um, you have friends. And sometimes, like, I didn't really say what... I want to say, so sometimes it's very difficult and then there has to be a balance. Of course, like there's also some good things in my culture and also some good thing in American culture. So if I can take like all the good things and then try to become who I am, you know? So that's like very challenging for me, even still now, it's still challenging for me, yeah. Yeah, I think Augustine brings up a good point too. It's like, because as I said earlier, your formators work on you, your, your spiritual director works on you, but it's your brothers who also work on you. And we all know the terrible word of fraternal correction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was something I, I picked up on, and I guess I was like, oh, we're going to talk about this now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for those who don't know, Anthony, you want to explain what fraternal sure. correction is? Fraternal correction, um, at my earlier career in seminary, it was basically just beating somebody up. Like, <laughs> they, let, they let you do whatever you want. Like, someone's out of line, you're the police. But now it's it's come to a really good place. It's like, okay, if you see something, uh, you know, a, a fault in a guy that he's not doing something, he's not living kind of how he's supposed to. He's staying up all night playing video games and you can hear him doing right. it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, yeah, something like that. It's like, okay, well, you, you take it to prayer, you take it to your spiritual director. You're like, hey, I've got this situation. This guy's doing this. You know, and then you uh, you take it to your formators, and you're like, "Hey, there's a situation here." But then you really you go and have a conversation with him, and the the reason why it's fraternal is because you 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 he's your brother, and so you you treat him with this problem how how you would want to be treated, someone approaching you, and so you do it like, "Hey, man, I, I love you, but you're doing this thing, like." Uh, I want the best for you, and this is something that I, I think isn't good, right? And then he has the, you know, you say it in charity, it should be received in charity. That's that's the tough part. I feel like uh, I'm not great in those situations where someone's fraternally correcting me because I'm like, well, you've got a lot of problems too, you know, and just <laughs> yeah, go yeah. on the defensive immediately. But th the more you think about it, if, when it's used correctly, it's like, hey, this guy actually really cares about me. Um, he wants me to do well. And now when I'm looking at this action or whatever that I'm doing, you know, he's right. And I just didn't want to admit it. Uh, that's essentially what fraternal correction is. I think the way it was explained to us when, we when my first year of seminary at St. Joseph's was you're all diamonds, but you've all just been pulled out of the rock. So you're all got sharp edges and you're all jagged and all this other crap is on you. So what formation is doing and is going to help smooth those edges. They're not going to take all the edges off they're going to take some of the edges off. So by the time you leave, you should be slightly different than when you came in. And the only way to do that is, again, to be authentic. Yeah, exactly. I remember the first time I was fraternally corrected, I had said something at uh, Holy Trinity Seminary where I, where I go. We have dinner family style. And uh, I remember I made a comment one night about another guy, another brother, and he would turn out he was sitting behind me at another <laughs> table. And uh, 
And one of the guys sitting at my table that night came to me later and was like, hey, man, um, you know, I just want to let you know. He was actually sitting, like, right behind you. And I, my mouth just kind of dropped open. I was like, uh. And, and, and he did it. The guy who came and, and corrected me was very charitable. He was like, hey, you know, um, I don't, you know, I, I don't think I'll you for this, but I just wanted you to let you know that this happened and that's not what you want to do. Um, the, the guy who came and talked to me was a, was a pre-theologian, so he graduated college. He was like 20, 26, and I'm 18 years old, fresh into seminary. Um, and it was just like a great moment for me to realize like, ah, oh, that's not okay. Um, and I didn't like feel, I didn't feel attacked. He came to my room. Uh, it was just me and him. And he was like, hey, I just want to tell you this. He did it in private not in front of other people, and I did not feel attacked. I felt loved, and I was like, you know, it might not, might not be everyone's experience, but I was just really happy to have someone who I wasn't even close to. I hardly knew the guy, um, but I felt really, really blessed and loved that he would come to me and be like, hey, you know, um, this isn't what you want to do. That's not what brothers do for each other, you know, in seminary, and, you know, um, since then, I've, you know, been very cognizant of what I say about others, and a lot of times you're just like, ah, I'm not going to say that comment because it's not kind and it's not charitable. Um, but I, I distinctly remember that moment um, to this day. And it was like the first month of the first semester of seminary. And so it's been like two years almost. And I still remember that. Um, and the guy who ended up coming correcting me, we ended up becoming like super close friends. And right. to this day we hang out. That's usually stuff. what happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, it's just a huge blessing that, you know, I happened to step out of line one time and this guy all of a sudden became a great older brother to me and has like really guided me through the first couple years of seminary. But yeah. yeah, it was it was great. I always try to think about how it takes a lot of confidence and courage to be able to go up to somebody so that I'm if I'm on the receiving end, which is usually for sarcasm, um, I'm like, <laughs> okay, this guy like took this to prayer and he's, he's trying to do the right thing here. Um, but, you know, we've all have really close friends in seminary and it's like, for me, I have like one or two really close friends and it's like when you're sitting in their room and you're talking about, okay, like what's really going on? Like what's what's happening in seminary? You get to find out really um, that it's like it's okay to be upset or to be uh, frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like that's healthy in seminary. And even these guys that you would think like, oh, they're perfect, like these guys never do any. It's like, oh, no, they, they actually – we're all going through the same thing here. It is a brotherhood. Yeah. Um, uh, and so <laughs> – so with my really close friends, I have a lot of sarcasm. And living with Father Hammond uh, this summer, uh, he's also very sarcastic. Uh, so and, and that's see, that's the thing. And my brother actually, my actual biological brother, I think said this to me one time. He's like, "Hey, you're like a different way in the church, like when you're serving and, and around the parish, and then you're a different way like at the house." And I was like, "Well, of course, though." Because, like, we're all kind of different when we're at a liturgical event or at a fancy dinner or something like that. You try to put on your best. And then when you're at the house, you kind of, like, let go a little bit, right? You just kind of, you know, whatever it is you say to people. And so I know at seminary, um, we play a, at Notre Dame, we play a chess. We play a, a healthy amount of chess. And we have, like, a public board. And I was playing, and I was playing it's against one of my... men. <laughs> <laughs> right, older guys. And so... Uh, I was playing against one of my good friends, and there was a bunch of people standing around. The rector, Father Wayner, was standing there too. And so I beat this guy. I checkmated him, and everyone goes, oh. And I said, hey, do you know why I beat you? Because I'm smarter than you. <laughs> because I'm better than you. And I started, like, doing this whole thing. And someone had come up to me afterwards and was like, hey, uh, you, know, you shouldn't say that to people. And so it's just kind of that 
figuring out like, oh, well, that that's just me being sarcastic. That's just Anthony being Anthony. And then when people start saying that, I'm like, oh, I really am being authentic to myself, you know? Not without my flaws, but with my flaws, right? Taking those flaws with uh, into formation and being like, this is who I am wholly. And then once you can do that, I think it's much more easier to make that free choice to say yes to each stage, you know, going through whatever your stage was, pre-theology to pre-theology two, or pre-theology two to the theology one. You know, each stage takes that free yes that has to happen, that I think can only happen if you're being authentic to yourself. Yeah, and you should be changing as you go through seminary. Like, you shouldn't be the same person you were your first year to your very last year. I mean, if you are, you haven't been discerning. Right. You haven't been doing yeah. anything, man. Right. You've just been coasting along. Yeah. But you even shouldn't be the same person your first semester as you are at the end of that semester. Like, you should be slightly different, not completely different, but just a little bit different. And I think Anthony brought up a good point, too. Like, we all put on different faces. We all have different personas for different situations. And that's okay because we have to. Like, you can't be crazy Seth Reed all the time. When you're at mass serving, like, you have to be, like, all right, I got to not be super crazy now. I got to focus on Jesus because that's why I'm here, to worship God. But then when you're at home or with your friends at seminary, like, all right, I can cut up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's all like the, the prudent prudence of... Yeah, prudence. So since, like, uh, in our diocese, we have a lot of, like, you know, uh, people from different culture, you know, like, um, so how do we, how can we have, like, environment there where everybody can be authentic, but at the same time, we grow in a virtue as a brotherhood. You know, how do we see in a, in, a, in a diocese as a brotherhood thing, you know, like what can we do or kind of like what do you see, like, you know? I think every Nashville seminarian that we have right now that I've known has been authentic to themselves. And I think that the times that we do get to meet, because we all go to different seminaries, so it's hard for us always to get together. Mm-hmm. I think when we're together, though, we do build up each other in virtue and and just brotherhood because even when we practice for mass like we just had the chrism mass a couple of weeks ago like everybody we, we were serious but we were still cutting up with each other we were still kind of acting out and like making front of certain priests because they do certain things yeah. that's what <laughs> seminarians do don't don't be scandalized they, they make fun of priests they make fun of each other too yeah. the priests yeah, make I mean, fun of us too don't yeah. 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 <laughs> definitely I, I, impressions doing impressions you know it's it's yeah. a form of uh, admiration right? exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. flattery is the highest form of intention. that's right yeah. that's right yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I think you're exactly right in the sense of uh, uh, I, Nashville, I think specifically, has always been blessed with just a great group of, uh, of guys that like to hang out with each other. And you'll see it, uh, hopefully you don't see it too much, but you'll talk to some guys and they'll be from other dioceses and they'll be like, oh yeah, I don't like hanging out with my DBs, you know, diocesan brothers, you know, I, I like being here. And it's like, what? It's like, that's weird. Like, yeah. that's so foreign no, yeah, is, to us yeah. because mm-hmm. Nashville... Um, and I think really with uh, uh, Bishop David Choby, God rest his soul, I think he was just such a great recruiter and had such a good read on people um, that he just he just wanted somebody authentic. He wanted somebody that that uh, you would know wanted to love the brotherhood. And I think Nashville has always been blessed in my uh, ten years of experience as a seminarian. <laughs> Nashville, from the very day I I became a seminarian for the Nashville Diocese. I've always felt like, hey, these group of guys, these are my bros. Yeah, and that's something that, like, when I first got to – so when I entered as a freshman in 2018, um, I, Nashville was sending to Holy Trinity Seminary for the first time. We sent, I think, like eight guys down there. And that was something that formators 
and other brothers commented on was like how close we already were you know like yes like i'd been to high school with a lot of these guys and one guy i entered with i actually like was in second grade with him i'd known him for that long um and you know that's a blessing to know each other but then also like we entered in like every friday night was nashville night and everybody knew that to the point where like sometimes we'd come home on friday nights to the seminary and our rooms would all be pranked because they knew <laughs> nashville hung out with each other every single friday night um that's and we great. started locking our doors but <laughs> but yeah it was just that intentional like setting aside time because like hey you know, one, you know, it's great to have all these brothers from other dioceses, but, you know, the day-to-day, God willing, you become a priest, these are the guys that are going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And these are the friendships and the brotherhoods you build now because of the ones you're going to rely on the most when you're serving God's people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that, like, I think Father Gilstrap told it to us. Uh, my first seminary retreat was, like, this is why you stick together. This is, like, a tradition we've always had, and this is why. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me, and I was like, man, like, you're so right. Because, like, when you have a real crappy day at the parish, and you had to do a whole bunch of, say you had like a funeral, like you had a sick call where you had to give someone last rites. And I mean, it just that's emotionally draining. And you have to be able to like externalize that. Because if you internalize all your feelings and your emotions, you're going to implode. And that's something you learn as, as a seminarian, uh, like be authentic to your emotions and your feelings and like accept that and be like, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. You know, what do I do with this? And a lot of the time it's like, well, you have to tell someone. And telling God is great, but telling someone who can like, verbally speak back to you also I found has been really helpful and like talking through it and externalizing it for me at least has been a huge just like having a friend or a couple of guys you can go to and be like hey this happened like like I don't know what's going on um, like this last year like my little sister was diagnosed with cancer in August um, and that was just like like it was like a week before I left for seminary and so I got to seminary and I was like hey uh you know so this happened I told the whole seminary so I'll praying but like my closer friends I kind of kept in, in touch with a little like told them a little more day-to-day stuff and being able to bring that to them at the end of the day, be like, hey, you know, I got a call from home. Like, today was a really hard chemo day for my sister, and she feels awful, and she's, you know, really sick. But, um, you know, it was, it was great to be able to go to them and tell them, like, hey, this is hard, and I can't be there, and I want to be there for my family, but I know this is where God wants me right now. And praise God, she's cancer-free now, tested a couple a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, in the in that year, like, having the support of my brothers and be able to go to them and be like, hey, you know, this is, this is so hard for me. Like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, being able to be authentic with myself and authentic with others was really huge. And that's something that the Brotherhood and Seminary provides that I haven't really seen many other yeah, places. Yeah, I mean, Reed, you bring up an awesome point. Like, you have to be authentic to your emotions. Like, if you're angry, like, you have to get that anger out. And it's not going to be good when you blow up and you can't handle it anymore. Like, you need to talk to your best friends and like, hey, man, like, I'm really pissed off about such and such. Mm-hmm. Or you, maybe you just have an anger issue. I'm pretty sure that every seminary that we send to, they have counselors so that can you can talk to and stuff. And, like, if you're an angry dude, like, you probably might need some counseling and, like, speak to the counselor. Like, start with your spiritual director and start with formation. But if they recommend, like, you need to go talk to this our counselor, like, do that. Like, help you help yourself, help the diocese, because eventually you're going to have to be helping parishioners if you become a priest. But yeah, I mean, because if you don't deal with your emotions, they're going to come back and bite you. Oh, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I have a really close friend at, at Notre Dame who is a son of Holy Trinity Seminary. seminary. Uh, Kevin Colker, and I can't tell you how many times I've walked into to his room and been like, that's it, I'm done. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like we've all been there, right? Oh, and I was yes. just like, some sort of formation conference or something triggered me to where I was like, man, I'm, I'm really angry about this this point. And I think, Seth, you're absolutely right. You got to talk to somebody about that, right? And uh, I think my close friendships are something I cherish so much because for whatever reason, that's what uh, really challenges me 
to be like a better person. Like, yeah, of course you got your prayer life. You got the, the person that God wants you to be. But when you see someone that that that's really um, you know faithful and they're challenging challenging you to be faithful and they know who you are and they care about you, I'm like, all right, it's time it's time to estover. Like, I got to be a man. Yeah, exactly. That's very important. Sometimes what happens is like when you are also authentic, like sometimes you can be very vulnerable, you know? Sometimes like when you say you got to be like, oh, if I show who I really am and then there will people know, there will be weaknesses, of course, there will be strength, but sometimes the fear can come in, you know, like I don't want to be, I don't want to show this part of my life, this part of me because of so that people will judge me or they will know my weakness. I just want to be a good person the way they have been seeing me. You know, if I tell that, well, they haven't known me this part of my life, kind of like that. Sometimes it, it can it take, like you said before, it, it take a lot of courage just to, but sometimes also the good thing is also when you also do that, like then that's how people know you. For example, it's like when I, I have, I love soccer all my life, you know, it's like, it's like always soccer, soccer. So sometimes what happens is my friend, they can make fun of me sometimes like, Oh, Augustine with soccer, you know? <laughs> so, like, I like to play every day, even when we have, we play, like, Tuesday and Thursday, even, uh, you know, like, Monday, every day, like, there's a friend I have, we always go out, even though there is nobody, we just kick, kick around. And then, like, one time when I have, like, human formation, and uh, my formator said, Augustine, is like, yeah, I say, oh, you like soccer a lot. I was like, in my mind, I was like, why are you saying that to me? <laughs> is it a bad thing? Like, I like soccer? Or like, you know, this is who I am, you know? Like, I like soccer. And then like, and father was like, father, why do you say that? And he was like, just like who you are. So it's just like, this is how we get to know you. So, and then I said, yeah, that's how I grew up. And I love soccer. And when I so uh, play soccer, I make friends. And that's how like I take my relaxation, you know? And then all the... Um, all the emotion thing, like just play it out and get tired and then you feel better, you know, after that. So, and then all of my friends know me because being authentic and like loving playing soccer, you know, I like playing soccer and everybody knows Augustine. Okay, he likes soccer. So that's also how people know me. So sometimes it's also really, really cool to be authentic, you know, kind of like that's how people get to know you. And then that's also how Jesus can come to you in your life too, you know. Even if I cannot be like authentic to my friends, and if they can know me who I really am, then how can I approach Jesus who I really am? You know, kind of like that. It's very a connection. And sometimes people think that, uh, I'm going to go to Jesus, and then God doesn't really talk to you. Or like, boom, this is kind of like, but he can work to your friends and tell you, like, your weaknesses, and sometimes God talk to you through your friends. So what you guys talk about is, it's really true, like, because I've, I've, I feel it, you know, I experience this in my life, so... I think you're you're dead on. I mean, it's like it's what you just said. There's the fear that if these guys really know who I am, they're not going to like me, right? And it's a big lie, right? It's it's the idea is they want to know who you really are, right? Um, and one of the things that my rector says, he said one of the main reasons why he sees guys discern out, and I mean discern out in a way that they don't really have a good answer. He said because there was something about themselves that they didn't trust, and they never you know, exposed it to anybody else. They, they were never able to be like, this is something, this is a part of me, and I want to share this with you. They just kept it, kind of what you are saying, Seth, on the inside. Mm -hmm. and, and they just were like, they just couldn't do seminary anymore because they weren't authentic to themselves, right? Um, and I think uh, doing totus tuus was, <laughs> was an example of me being able to, because if there's, if there's, uh, um, if there's an age range of people that can just smell BS from a mile away, it's kids, oh, right? Yeah. If you are not authentic, 
those kids are going to be like, what's wrong with this guy, right? You're, you're weird. And um, I think Totus Tua has really helped me just kind of be like, okay, I'm just going to be who I really am, right? And, and, and that sort of helped me uh, with authenticity, um, carrying into seminary my, my early years. I think something, too, that I don't think we've really touched on yet is Reed can probably speak better to this. And, Anthony, you went in where you were – did you go in right out of high school? Yeah, essentially. I think – I mean, I was older when I went in, so I pretty much know, knew who I was. But a lot of guys, they come in straight out of high school, and they don't know who they are. I still like, don't know who I am. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm and still and learning. <laughs> and, that, and that's one of the things that seminary is there for is to help you learn exactly. who you are. Yeah. And it's how you become authentic, and seminary helps you do that. Yeah, for sure. No, it's something uh, – and I think something that Anthony and Augustine – Anthony and Augustine both just touched on is like being vulnerable to others mm-hmm. and showing your weaknesses. And that's something that I've really struggled with. Um, I've always been a prideful person. And so like being like, hey, yeah, I struggle with this. It's really hard for me. Um, and I think uh, like in talking to my spiritual director, it's like in showing those weaknesses, uh, that's where God like brings his grace in, you know, and like mm-hmm. St. Paul says something about like, um, like you allow, like Christ works through the weak, you know, that's gr- God's greatest glory is when he uses a weak person to do something amazing. Because that's when you see, like, oh, that's, like, all God's grace. And that's, like, my wish and my desire. It's like, all right, you know, I'm super weak, so, God, you just take over, you know? You know, like, Jesus, take the wheel. Because (laughs) I can't steer, and, like, I'm just too weak to do it. And and that's how, like, I can glorify God the best, is by allowing his grace to work through me. Um, And really just kind of be like, all right, just going to, I'm just going to follow your grace wherever it takes me. Um, Right. And that's something that I've, kind of learned in the past uh, couple years and something that you guys just like summed up in a really, really good way that really helped me kind of cohesive, bring it together in my mind. But no, yeah, it's, it's huge to be able to be vulnerable to someone has been, has been really key. And on that grace, I mean, one thing I, I really want to emphasize is that friendship, like good, true spiritual friendship, that is undeniably just a gift from the Lord. Um, I, and I've had, you know, I can count them kind of on one hand, but like when they happen, in, especially in seminary, you're just like, wow. I'm so thankful for this guy, you know, like I want to be a better guy, a better, more faithful son of the church so that I can be a better friend to him as well, right? I want to pray my office and, and, and do all the things that I'm supposed to do because we're both going through this together. And it's, it's just 100% a gift. It's something you can't force, like good, true, authentic uh, friendship. So yeah, I agree with, your, what, with what you said um, on uh, it's, it's a grace. One thing that's connected to is also being authentic. Sometimes when we compare with other people, it happens a lot. And then that's the danger, the, the red key, you know, the red sign, you know, like it's like when you compare like your brothers, because if you have, you're given like like talents, God-given talents, and then God also give your friends and your brothers a different talent. And then you'll be good at like, you'll be better at something, but they will be better at something that you're not good at it. But when you look at them, it's like, wow, he's good at that. It's like, I know you try to compare and you try to be like, you don't want to accept in that area. It's like, I am not better than him at this area. You don't want to admit it. And you be like, you try to pretend like, yeah, I can pretend. And just like, I don't want to tell. Like, you don't, sometimes it's difficult to say, brother, hey, my friend, you're really good at this. Good job. Like, thanks be to God. Kind of like that. Yeah. Saying this always like, Great. it gave you a lot. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't want, I yeah. hate to say it's, it's kind of like that. You know, it's tough. And then sometimes the thing is like, like always the formators they always say so don't compare yourself with your brothers and we always do you know yeah. oh yeah yeah augustine you're really good at soccer <laughs> and i'm not as good as you <laughs> right there's a guy at the phonathon and like some sales is something i i hold very close to my heart but there was a guy that was better than me 
And, uh, you know, I had to be like, oh, you're a better salesman than me. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. And, but it was true. And, and, and then I really uh, I, I learned from him, right, because he had that gift that was just more evolved and better than, I, than, than what I had. But, you know, one of the things, too, um, it, to, to remember is, you know, we are not Jesus Christ. We are not perfect. Like the job for saving the world has already been taken, right? Yeah. And I think one of the things I said when I showed up at seminary, especially the second time. Um, <laughs> Wait, second time? <laughs> <laughs> After I like knew who I was and I was like, you know, I, I had this big wig job and I knew who I was and I was like super, like I was like, yeah, I'm awesome. And so I showed up at, at Notre Dame, you know, and I hold out my arms and I said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, you know, and it's like, okay, we are not Jesus. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <laughs> you know, and then when, you know, my family, you know, maybe doesn't like some of the things I say, I, was, I, I remind them, well, no prophet is accepted in his native place. So. But I think, too, it's like, okay, we have faults. Uh, there's things that we're going to suck at. And, and there's things that guys are just much better at than, than we are. Um, but as long as I can be faithful to myself, God is going to reward my fidelity. Because um, ultimately, it's about, okay, God, I, I'm this person. And right now, who's the person that you want? What's, what's, I, I want to go towards the, uh, you know, and we're a work in progress forever. But I want to go towards that person who, um, that you can use in, in, in the best way possible. Like uh, something Father Hammond just said to me. I was like, uh, hey, man, you know, can you can you hear my confession? And he said, that's literally what I was born to do. And I was like, well, there you go. That kind of sums <laughs> it up for me. <laughs> what about prayer uh, in, in the role of being authentic? How do we use, like, prayer? How does prayer function in this idea of authenticity? I mean, you're supposed to be doing a holy hour every day in seminary. Okay. You're supposed to be praying all the office. What's the office. a holy hour? We talk, we talk about that in the prayer episode, Anthony. Oh, <laughs> no, but uh, Scratch that. No, yeah. So a holy hour is when you go into chapel, church, even in your room, because the Desert Fathers, some of them say, if you want to learn who God really is, go into your cell, and your cell will teach you everything. So you can pray everywhere, because God is everywhere. But you go to your prayer place, and you just spend time with the Lord. Or if you want to pray to ask Mary for her intercessions and get to know her or one of the saints, you can do that too during that time. But yeah, during your holy hour, you're coming to know the Lord, but you're also coming to know yourself, because as you pray, you learn how you like to pray, and you learn how God speaks best to you in your prayer. So like, Reed may go into the holy hour, and he may do just in meditation the entire time. He, he's just like St. Therese of Avila. He's just in it, man. Nope. Just there. <laughs> or Anthony I wish, may, but Anthony nope. may go into the holy hour, and he's just like, yeah, man, like... I just do the rosary and the Divine Mercy Chapel, and then I just sit in science for the rest of the time, and it's great, and Jesus just talks to me. And then Augustine may be like, yeah, man, like, I go in there, and I kneel down on, like, rocks, and I just do this <laughs> awesome <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and then I go in there, and I've got, like, six books, and just, like, am reading constantly, like, yeah, man, you're really talking to me today, Jesus. Like, yeah, this is awesome. No, this sucks. No, yeah, this definitely highlighting and stuff like that. But each of us prays differently. We should all be praying the rosary. We should all be doing the things that we should be doing that a seminarian is supposed to do, and then a priest. But there are certain ways that we pray that God talks to us differently. We hear that whisper like Elijah did on Mount Carmel, and that's how he speaks to us in that way. And we come to learn, our, learn more about ourselves through that and that communication with God. Because we can sit there and read the Bible and go, oh, yeah, this really hits me. But 
read can read that same passage like, no, this is not saying anything. I don't understand this at all. Mm-hmm. And that's different for us because he's speaking to us differently. And then we learn, oh, okay, this makes sense to me because of my faults, because of my virtues, because of my gifts that God has given me. Whereas to read, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, because God, you know, uh, in the same way he reveals himself to us, he reveals ourselves to us too, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in that particular way, like in through that, like this passage means nothing to me, but to Seth, it's like biggest, like, oh my gosh, like now I understand, like, God, this is it. Thank you. Like now I get like my deepest fault, my deepest wound, like, and now it makes sense to that scripture. And I could read it and be like, and the woman touched the tassel on Jesus's cloak and was healed from the passage from the gospel today. And it's just like, you know, that could mean nothing to me, but it's everything to Seth because it's just, yeah, like, like he was saying, like God speaks to us in different ways in that tiny little whisper or in the, you know, maybe he is in the great wind yeah. or somebody. And <laughs> maybe, maybe he is in that thunderclap and the boom of lightning because some people, they, they need a, a swift kick in the rear to get God for me to go. Like I'm one of those people. God's got to put his foot in my back and shove me forward. Whereas some people, it's like he holds out his hand and they kind of walk along like St. Therese of Lisieux because, you know, she's a saint and I'm not. But work in progress, like Anthony said. And I, I think to to put in a plug, just to for like we talked about the holy hour, and that is something kind of specific to our state of life. But just for everybody to have that time yeah. of prayer and silence before the Lord, um, because you know these beautiful chapels and churches that we have here in the diocese, like to go and pray before the Lord. You know that's a that's a great thing. And and but if you don't do that, then uh, you know it's okay because somebody else will. But if you don't go into the silence of your heart and, and pray and praise the Lord in your heart, um, nobody else can, right? And Jesus is sort of left alone. Um, that's why it's, uh, as you talked about St. Anthony of the Desert, Father of Monasticism, like I'm also obviously super gung-ho about him because it's just like, yeah, he just abandoned everything and just trusted himself in the Lord. And the Lord took care of him, Right. For me, it's like a prayer is really important for me, um, especially like we talk about Holy Hour. That's also my favorite, like, uh, you know, prayer that I do is when I go to Holy Hour, sitting in front of the Blessed Sacrament, most of the time, like, people do different stuff, but I like just to sit and look at the tabernacle. Or if the mountain is out, just look at Jesus. And then there is the most, like, there is number one where I can be who I am. I mean, like, even if I don't tell you, this is the person is in front of me who know everything, even the hidden place that even the stuff that I don't even know myself, I don't realize, like, he knows everything. Basically, what, if I have to go, like, example would be, like, like, standing in front of your mirror, you know, like, seeing yourself reflected, and then, and that's, like, I can be who I am, like, Jesus know everything about me, so it's, like, I can be who I am, so just pray, and then, like, sitting there, looking at Jesus, and then, like, like kind of like some people like says one of I think I don't know I don't remember who exactly said that he pointed that they're like it's kind of like a cancer session you know like you got actuating you know you're curing your wounds you know like actuating so Jesus is healing right there so you just sit there look at Jesus but the other time the danger for me is in the seminary like I got a sign seat I don't know how you guys. I like, you know, whether you guys have a science seat or not, but when I was in seminary, in college seminary, philosophy, I have a science seat. So there are people who sit in front of me. So sometimes people will bring a bunch of books they will read, and I will look at them. 
oh, they read a lot of books. They might know a lot of saying. They might know a lot of how to be holy. It's like, I'm right here. Like, sometimes I'll just bring a book and I'll read 10 minutes. And then after after 10 minutes, I'll just contemplate on what I read and then, like, how that applied to in my life. And a lot of people are reading, like, three books and they were, like, changing uh, books and, like, tw- every 20 minutes, like, oh, I don't know about holiness. Like, they must know a lot of holiness, kind of like that, you know? Like, it's like, like being, rather than being authentic, it's like, you're just trying to be like, oh, people do that? Like, am I doing something wrong? Kind of like that, you know, that happens. So, yeah. I'll use a fancy word, but I'll explain it. But sacramentality. It's, it's how, you know, it's a theologian right there, boys and girls. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's how God is is speaking to us in the realm of the physical, even though he's not. He chooses to do that so that we can understand him better. And I think that learning about when I was down in Mexico last year, learning about St. Juan Diego, uh, when I looked a little bit more closely, I, I never knew this, but uh, so he was uh, fluent in Spanish as well, but uh, he was uh, Aztec, I believe, and so he spoke Nahuatl. And uh, Mary spoke to him in Nahuatl, right? And I, that just like blew my mind. I was like, whoa, she spoke to him in like the language that he grew up with um, because it was something that he could perfectly understand. And so with this idea of sacramentality, like God is is breaching this realm of the physical and speaking to us because he wants that intimate uh, relationship with us. And I think that this, that's so awesome. Like we, th- we think about the, the, the pagan gods, right? And we, if you look into the Old Testament, it's like, they're so abstract, and all, we have to do all this stuff, and they can't really communicate with, with us because, because they're so beyond or whatever. But, but our God, the one true God, right, comes down and, 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 and breaches that realm of the physical and, and speaks to us in that way, in our native tongue, right? He spoke to Juan Diego in his native tongue, and that just blew my mind. So the idea of being authentic, well, God's, God's uh, you know, doing all this stuff to, to have this relationship, the very least that we could do is to give God everything, (laughs) to give God completely who we are because he already knows, right? So you're just doing something, you know, to hide something from God makes zero sense, right? It's it's like the the kid that's trying to hide the cookie, you know, behind his back. Like the father knows that the kid's done something wrong, just like God knows us. And so it's it's just a much easier uh, relationship if we can just come clean and be like, here's who I am completely and fully. I really like what you said here, who I am. It's like, a lot of time what I um, uh, experience is like, uh, the more I'm like, the more I keep going to formation, you know, like college one, two, three, theology one, something that I realize is this is who I am, use me. So I imagine like sometime uh, before I talk about like, like looking around my pe- like people in the chapel, but now I started to see that as a garden, you know, in a garden, if you all have like one color, one color flower, for maybe like sometime, you'd be like, "Wow, this is beautiful." But after a while, I was like, "Just one color is boring," you know. But when we go to the garden, you you want to see different plants, different colors, and different places, different design, different you know, like beautiful places. And so the same thing, I see that, yeah, my brothers, they are great. Like they're doing what God is telling me they are trying to be who they are God is created for God is calling for so I am also special the way God created me the way God's called me and the way God's going to use me in the future so I'm going to be authentic and trying to grow in my spiritual life so that in the future when God used me for his purpose for my own people like 
people, other people, my friends cannot take my place, and I cannot take my friend's place. So rather than that, so rather than comparing myself, I start I started to pray for them, Lord, help them in their holiness, help them in their spiritual life, so that when they go out and then serve you, so they can be who they are, the way that you are created and the way that you are called for them to serve you, so that I may also be holy as I should be, and then prepare me for the mission and your service that I will be doing in the future. So, like, it's really beautiful, like, the way you just said, like, who I am, use me, kind of like that. You know, it's beautiful, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you all for joining me today. Uh, This was the Nash Vocations Podcast. (laughs) 